Welcome to Conversations with Achievers. I'm your host, Robert Wright. I'm a mentor to owners, executives, and their teams, and CEO of Extraordinary People, LLC. I work with people that want to create extraordinary business performance with less stress, more joy, and more personal fulfillment. So sit back, relax, and prepare to learn from your peers as we explore what it takes in terms of attitudes, habits, and behaviors that achieve extraordinary results. Results for yourself, for your family, and your community. Hello, Robert here, and we've got an amazing guest to be interviewed today. Uh, Patrick Grimes, is got, he's done a little bit of everything. I'm going to let him introduce his background to you. And uh, but also, I think in these times of kind of chaotic finance, he's got he's expert in an area that I think all of us might have an interest in learning more about. So it should be cool. Patrick, welcome to Conversations with Achievers. Robert, I'm glad to be here. It's, you know, passion, you know, close to my heart to speak on these topics. And I, I love the stories that I've heard from you so far. I'm looking forward to being on the show with you. Well, that's great. Well, look, how did you get to this place uh, uh, sitting out there in beautiful Orange County, California, and uh, and doing some really interesting work? And I, I really, I'm not sure if I've ever interviewed anybody that took as many right turns and left turns and 180 degree turns as you. So tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> Oh, interesting. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people on the straight on Robert on Robert's show. Um, well, yeah. So basically, rich and privileged my whole life. Really, nothing really droll, boring. Just kidding. My, you know, my dad. I, I well, so today you're right. I'm, I we do real estate and we have a, a large equity firm, but I was raised a little more humbly, I guess. And my my father was in the Air Force. We lived in Florida. I was born in Italy, actually, and but most of my formative life was up in the mountains on the south side of Yosemite National Park, hanging out in the snow where you are today. In the, I mean, similar weather to you are today, I was sledding and skiing all the way through high school. Um, but uh, you know, I I didn't really, um, uh, and then I, I didn't really know much out of that little bubble until I went to engineering school, um, got a BS in mechanical engineering, and started at a machine design firm. Uh, and that's kind of when the parallel path of real estate started. I, I was so excited about the innovation, the robotics and the automation uh, that I was just all in. And, um, and a, at that time, a, uh, the, the owner of the company said, hey, you should go invest in real estate. I'm like, why? He goes, because this is fun. It's challenging. It's cognitively rewarding. But high tech is never really going to create the future that you want for your family. Real estate will. And so that's how that parallel path started way back in, way back, I want to, man, you know, 20 years ago, something like that. Wow. And it's interesting that you had this, you know, there's kind of a stereotype about people that major in mechanical engineering, and yet you moved into an area that's much more human centered uh, as opposed to things. I mean, you're investing in things, but uh, it's, it's a lot with people. Well, if you talk to my sister, I was, I was, I didn't have any social skills at all and I couldn't communicate as a child. So I was very much like in that, 
you know, but I think as I, as I grew older and I took lessons as I drove my sister to school back and forth on how to, you know, communicate, right. I, uh, I learned my way and, and, and professional course is stretch for me. And in fact, as you, even in my real estate, um, growth, I, I, you know, I stayed pretty close to the grinding wheel and I didn't get my name out there until just a handful of years ago. And um, then I started writing for Forbes and I got a book out, started doing podcasts like this and talking on stages on investing in commercial real estate around the United States. But that was all a stretch for me. And it's kind of a testament. You know, you can go from the engineering analyst that just gets the work done and to somebody who is out there and speaking and educating people and contributing to their lives. And that's really what it takes. You can't, couldn't be in my head yeah, all that time and still make a difference in, in people's life. You know, I have friends who are lapsed attorneys, or they, some of them say recovering attorneys. <laughs> and uh, I, I, one of them, a uh, really successful guy and a longtime friend, and I, I asked, he never practiced as a lawyer, and he's a Yale uh, educated lawyer. That's a big deal. You know, you get to go to the big firms and get the big, big money and all of that stuff. And he never practiced as a lawyer. He's been an incredibly successful executive. But I asked him once, what did you get from the law background? And he said, I learned how to think. And I thought, wow, that, you know, that's such a simple statement. Uh, he said, but, you know, we were driven by our professors to learn how to really uh, critically think. I'm sure there's some parts of an engineering, engineering background that go into uh, investment decisions. Yeah, I think the the cliched term, I think in the engineering that's parallel to it is we learn how to solve problems. Hmm. And I mean, through electromagnetic static and physics and organic chemistry and, um, you know, it's, it's just, it gets pretty wild, right? Uh, the uh, differential equations, no, you're not really going to use that, right? But you're going to learn how to, your, 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 the problem solving techniques, the ability to intake knowledge and apply it. You know, those are the skill set. And I think that's why when I looked at real estate, it's not dissimilar from some of the design stuff we were doing because there's financial models mm. and then there's environmental constraints. And I was sure. a mechanical designer, but you have buildings, right? And then you're cross-functionally working with different people with different skill sets and, and trying to come in harmony and rolling with the punches as you go because I was doing machine design, innovation, one-of-a-kind stuff over here. And now I'm buying distressed assets and finding them and modeling them and piecing together teams to work on them. And it was a lot of the similar uh, skill set, um, but just one industry was more profitable and safer than the other. <laughs> I thought, I thought, but actually my story, uh, now it's safer because I have the right mindset. My story is that I got heavy into what I thought were safe bets, the good bets back in 2006 and seven when the market was never going to go down. I invested in pre-development uh, and I was personally guaranteed. And I mean, I'll tell you what, nine, 10 happened. And I was, yeah, he rode that down hard, drug me through the gutter. And that's when I actually was humbled. And I learned how the, how, that was say my, in the engineering world, that's when the bridge broke, right? That's wow. when I learned how the storm can come and break that down. And the financial models uh, can, can affect, can, can start to break down when they're stress tested in certain ways, when the environmental constraints, uh, the demands can shift, you know, of, of your asset and things can, 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 can collapse. 
And so then I started fortifying my real estate investments, like we fortify our engineering designs and ultra looking at what are economic really resilient markets, ones that have had, you know, various economic factors like employment that bounce back quickly or is fairly resilient and has shown data to prove that and still maintains similar employment makeup, structuring deals with low leverage. So we cash flow on day one and interest rate protected caps are fixed, uh, inflation hedging by doing cash flow. Um, we've structured these deals in such a way where a financial or environmental crisis, like what we've seen in the past, we can write it out. And you know, I think it's more about finding the people who appreciate a well-built engineered device that will last them, the tried and true, instead of a flashy return of something that's going to break down all the time. <laughs> it's the same thing in real estate. If, if you can find the investors that are patient, that are willing, that believe the tortoise will outpace the hare and aren't so attracted by the flashy returns and investments where you could double your money, but lose it all. And you go for the, the long-term tried and true workforce housing value add uh, B and C class and the Sunbelt recession resilient markets, landlord friendly tax advantage. You can stick to that path and find the right investors and you know you can build a more solid portfolio that way. You know, that word engineered uh, crept into that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> <by> did. <the way. laughs> uh, uh, look, many of our listeners, I don't know many, but some of our listeners are executives in tech oriented fields. And uh, with many with engineering backgrounds and software backgrounds, and um, they seem to have challenges, or maybe they didn't have your sister, uh, you know, to coach. Yeah, <laughs> to coach them. Uh, I'm sure that those stumbles along the way in that learning process had some impact on you personally and on relationships, and you know, being a more social, more perhaps more vulnerable person. Uh, what uh, what did you learn that you could pass along to uh, a budding tech entrepreneur or or a, a fellow engineer that's now jumped into not only designing something and producing it but selling it? Yeah, sure. Well, first let me say that my sister's version is that she coached me, but now she's a PhD clinical psychologist <laughs> in San Diego. Uh, in development, developmental psychology. So my version is I was coaching her and that's why she's so successful today. So there's two sides to that, right? <laughs> but well, that, that, that sounds like a typical family argument. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, I, have, I have two master's degrees. She's got a PhD when my dad's got three PhDs. So I'm not even the middle child in the, in the educational running of the family. So Lots of that happening. But to your point, I think that what I, what I took from my engineering career um, uh, and then I tried to apply it to real estate, for example, I wanted to do everything myself. I wanted to find the deals, underwrite the deals, manage the deals. And that's when I was doing single family buy hold. And I think that the sooner that I learned to more um, trust but verify and cross-functionally work, and the the better off I was. But I still stayed in my my. I was able to find people that were passionate about different pieces, 
I think breaking down that barrier of I've lost it all and kind of scared, reducing my trading, my, my fear of partnering to um, doing, doing the due diligence on the partners, vetting the right partners, investing more in finding the right people to help me and not trying to take squeeze every penny out of the deal for myself and trading my time with my family, friends and hobbies Mm. along the way, which ultimately was what broke me in single family. When I was building a portfolio, I was high tech career, moonlighting my, my side gig, my single family was that sense of control and that fear of losing it all that ultimately choked my ability to even pursue my wife. And actually I only ended up getting married because I finally told my wife, I've got to stop. I got to stop single. I got to stop the real estate because I can't moon like that and then date you. I've got to focus on one. Then on the other side of it, you know, I started thinking more scale. I started thinking partnering. It took me two and a half years to completely restructure who I was and my business and what I wanted to do and learn how to partner before we got into our large multifamily deal. And, but that way I had people that had decades doing asset management that had brokers looking for deals. We had acquisitions, we had property managers that were on site. I mean, we went from three bedroom, two bath every single time to above 80 units, 86 units. And that's when it finally scaled. I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't build a private equity firm and have the same fears and worries and sense of control that I had in my single family portfolio. And that wasn't serving me or my family, right? I had to completely change that. And it took, took, almost, it took realizing that I will lose this woman if I don't switch that. And now our family is in a better place because of it. Wow. So she was the, the triggering or leverage or motivating force in the matter of your shift. She was there for my very last single family closing. And I told her, this is the last one I'm doing. And then after that, about it was, a, it was less than a year and a half later, we got married in Big Bear, California. And then we got married in Beijing. So succeeded. And it took me another two and a half years before I ever, before I was able to completely retool the business to be a private equity firm that could scale into larger assets. Well, love can be a tremendous uh, motivator uh, for sure. And mm-hmm. uh, the right woman can definitely be a tremendous motivator. I, I think you're aware that I've spent 23 years of my working life abroad, all in Asia, and including from 2015 to 2020 uh, in China. Uh, so I, when I when I looked at your background and and guessed by your wife's name, uh, her heritage, I thought that's that's fascinating. How did you meet? That's not well, normally a business question, but I'm curious. I'm happy to share it because uh, when, at, the, at the wedding we had in California, her dad made it clear during his speech that it was not the plan for her to come here and stay here. <laughs> it was the plan for her to get educated and go home. So um, she had a passion for uh, dance and classical music, and she had traveled to Vienna and worked for the Vienna Phil Orchestra mm-hmm. and at the Beijing Center for the Arts in Tiananmen Square. And then she kind of blended those into animation. And then so she had got passionate about uh, wanting to get into the feature length animated film and working for Disney. So she came here to go to the school Disney started to get her master's degree in animation producing in, in uh, North Los Angeles area. Uh, and so that's I was in Los Angeles at the time doing engineering projects in Studio City. Uh, and that's where we met. 
had a pool party and it was it's been a been a been a wild ride ever since. I also have, you know, tra- as you know, you looked at I spent a couple years of my life traveling, one through uh, Europe and then also through the Middle East and Asia. So turns out I've been in a lot of the same places she had been around China. And we even liked hot Sichuan hot pot, particular Thai hot pot. And so we had these weird things we could bond on. But, you know, going home to China, at least I can sit there and take the heat like the rest of the family. (laughs) Well, if you're if you're in one of those cities where spicing is is paramount Mm -hmm. (laughs) it can be challenging uh that's for sure uh well thank you for sharing that part also and uh, patrick uh, you know that kind of a shift obviously i I, i'm gonna guess you approached it as problem solving and the problem would it be accurate to say that you looked at it as the problem is you yeah, well, that's a really good point. And actually, you kind of go back to, I was realizing I was exhausted, uh, trying to do everything myself. I was tired. Uh, and I wasn't dateable <laughs> during this whole time, you know, and I went and got a full master's, two master's degrees while working full time. And then I was, fl- then I was flipping and holding single family homes. It was, yeah, and I was 100% the problem. And it took a combination uh, self-help books that I, I run every morning. So I'm constantly listening to self-help books and investing books and business books. And it was a combination of kind of constantly whittling away at that. And then, you know, traveling to consuming different educational content on, you know, trying to learn about how different people have made it and where my roadblocks are and podcasts. I was a lot of podcasts and some of those speak, spoke directly to my heart because they were, single family guys struggling, the more that properties they got, the, the more of a job it was and harder it was to keep the, the velocity to their capital high. And, you know, and then I started realizing, well, I'm headed into this, you know, I've got to, I got to retool. And on my wife's side too, which you'll appreciate, uh, she, they don't have things like financial freedom. Right. They don't have things like passive income. They don't barely even have freedom of what you do. In fact, her her father is an example of somebody who wanted to be a computer scientist. Uncle called the school and told him to change the major to be a doctor. Actually, that's where he met his wife. They're both uh, doctors in Beijing. He's the chief surgeon of an ICU, you know, many, many years later. But um, he wanted to be still to this day. He's kind of interested by that and that other field wondering what happened. Well, my wife, it took like a Tony Robbins style real estate event that we went to where she fell in, finally got the mindset shift uh, and where she started tearing up and she came home and created a vision board. Oh, wonderful. And it was that fine. They didn't, she didn't have that in China. It was work until the government tells you to stop and then you stop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that vision board that, all of a sudden, not only my wife was worried, she's like, let's just work eight to five for the rest of our life. She was worried about my entrepreneurship to where she's now driving. She's on our website now with 70 videos. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and, and she was the one who was like during COVID, hey, let's go move to Hawaii. I found this place. It looks <laughs> like my vision board, you know, but then I had us on a plane two and a half weeks later, Right. She teared up a little bit when she realized I'm actually going to have, because she's like, our house is cute and I love it. It was our first house. But I'm like, 
well, do you want to go live in your vision board? Right. <laughs> so we did it, you know? <laughs> and, you know, so she, it's been really cool. Just the mindset, the shifts, the, the growth of, you know, all the, the human um, journey that we've undergone to, to get where we are today. Hey, thank you for your, your uh, willingness to share some of that personal side of things. Uh, you know, for many, many, uh, how about outside did you uh, did you have friends that supported the transition for you and the recovery, or did you hire a coach? Or I'm sure you didn't hire your sister. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, did you get some help personally? Uh, you know, beyond the book or beyond uh, reality facing you and the great motivation of your wife. Well, so on the uh, on the technical path, I was constantly confronted with um needing to learn to communicate better and share the design it's it's not only can you even in designers not only can you design it but can you sell it to your team right um but on the real estate side you know it, like i said tons of self help but um i did i did do i tend to be that person where i learn the mechanics first read a bunch of books study a lot but i had analysis paralysis like nobody's business right i'd already lost something all of it, big time. And I didn't want that to happen again, especially now that I'm, I've have success in single family. It's, I can just keep doing it. It works. That's the problem. It was the status quo to get out of that. And then to see a vision of something better on the other side through partnering, which is scary, using other people's money, which is scary. It took me like two and a half years. It, a, a coach was helpful. Um, I had traveled around, talked to a lot of brokers, looked at a lot of deals, analyzed a lot of investments, brought them to different partners that had, that had had portfolios, said, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? You know, a year, year and a half, two years into it, they're like, wow, this guy's still coming to the table with stuff. I'm learning more and more. And then I started just getting involved uh, in as much as I could until eventually, you know, I, I had a partner come like, hey, look, let's do this deal together. You know, we got one and it's, you know, 86 units. I didn't, I didn't know what my percentage was going to be in the deal. I just did everything I possibly could. And I was moonlighting it still because I had my machine design stuff. I hadn't gone full-time real estate yet. So I was like red-eyeing out, you know, and, and working over the weekend and red-eyeing back all the way from California to, to North Carolina. But, uh, you know, it, it, there was a lot to it. There was a lot of people that I met had to show up, add value to their lives somehow, you know, figure out what they needed and just start working first you know, and asking for things later. And I learned a lot through the two and a half years and of the kind of the, the no man's land kind of before I started actually building the business on my own. I think um, there's a, there are a lot of lessons in, in all of that for my listeners. And I'm, I'm just deeply, deeply appreciative of your, your willingness to share it. Look, uh, I'm sure that some people might like to be in touch with you and find out what you're up to and or just uh, on the personal side, maybe they're going through something similar and would appreciate just a, a good friend. How do people get in touch with you and and uh, and connect up with you and what you're, where you are and what you're up to recently? Yeah, I'm happy to chat. I I I love networking with individuals and businessmen, and you know, I especially I started writing for Forbes, and so I'm meeting a lot of really great people. Anybody's interested, so you can go to investonmainstreet.com. It's investonmain and then street spelled out.com. And you can see what we're up to. Uh, there's a form on there to set up a meeting with me. I'd be happy to chat with you. 
Uh, or you can and email me at patrick at investonmainstreet.com. Um, I also have a book out and this, this Robert and I are going to really, we've, we were talking about this. This is right in alignment with his whole message here. It's actually, it's called persistence pivots and game changers, turning challenges into opportunities. And it's a Ford by Brian Tracy. I'm on here on the cover with the wig on. I'm just kidding. I used to have hair before my <laughs> wife shaved it off there in COVID. And, um, there's a bunch NFL, NBA players, Phil Collins, league guitarist, and Def Leppard, Russell Gray from the real estate guy. A lot of really cool people telling their story. I love this project. Amazon number one bestseller. Bought a truckload of them. We're giving them signed copies away for anybody that would like it. And if you want to go to investonmainstreet.com slash book, investonmainstreet.com slash book, there's a form there. Uh, just put in the promo code Robert White, Robert White, and uh, We'll ship, we'll ship you a free copy. I'd love to chat with you wherever you're at in your journey. Happy to contribute how I can. Wow, that's really generous, Patrick. And and uh, uh, so I'll be the first person to sign up for the free book, but I'll also send you a copy of mine. Uh, Fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, this has been a hoot. And uh, uh, I, I'm, uh, I feel like I've made a new friend and a fellow traveler in the journey to, from uh, struggle to success. Thank you again for your willingness to share with all of us. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. Thanks so much for joining us for Conversations with Achievers. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for this weekly show, the details are at therobertwhite.com and click on podcasts. I'm looking for businessmen and women with a story to tell, stories that might benefit other owners and executives. If you got some value from this program, I'd really appreciate you sharing about it on social media and just mentioned www.therobertwhite.com slash podcast. Of course, subscribing means you won't miss a show and rating the podcast positively will leave Robert smiling. I'm building a movement here for leaders, leaders who want to succeed in business, succeed with their families, have fun, and contribute toward making the world a better place. It's special to me that you chose to listen. I look forward to connecting again next week. Remember, reach out to me anytime with any questions or concerns at therobertwhite.com. Bye for now.